Well, we are coming to the end of Zechariah, you know, chapter. And uh, in the last two weeks, I believe you have been blessed. Were you blessed the last two weeks on the teaching on chapter 12? On that day, remember on that day, you know, how Israel repent and also Israel had to be saved. And last week we saw a very powerful, you know, ministry here in the church service. And we heard the message that all Israel have to go through the process of refining by the refining fire. And today, we are coming to the climax of this you know, chapter in chapter 14, and we are going to see the exciting uh, return of the Lord Jesus Christ physically on earth. And Jesus will return on earth. And what will happen? He's going to come as a king and he's going to come to establish the glorious kingdom on earth. In all these three chapters that we have, uh, have heard of this message here, they have the same thing, same theme. And what is the theme? It's all relating to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, in my early Christian life, when I maybe was one or two years old as a Christian, you know, my friends and I, we have, you know, have this thought that perhaps Jesus is coming back tomorrow. So what did we do? We went to the streets. Both of us, you know, meet up with strangers and some of them were startled. Hey, what are you doing coming to approach us, you know? And we went door to door knocking and people were thinking, hey, what are you selling, you know? All we did was we want to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why do we do that? Because we thought that they must hear the gospel before Jesus Christ returns. And, you know, till today, even though my age is a one thing, I still believe that Jesus is coming back. 100% sure that Jesus will return. Amen. And, uh, you know, as, even though my age at once, that will tell me that the coming of the Lord is even nearer. Yeah, that is something that we are looking forward to. Now, since Jesus is coming back. So this must be a driving factor for you and I. That, you know, that without this expectation, we must come with expectation. We must come and have the hope in the, in the Lord Jesus Christ with this, uh, you know, anticipation that so that our salvation in the Lord will be meaningful, right? And our faith in God will never go in vain because Jesus is coming back. Therefore, we must not lose this vision of the imminent return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So for when Jesus returns, what will He do? He will defeat all these enemies. He will make all things new. Then we will see the whole plan of God fulfilled on earth, that His kingdom will be established forever. For the end is certain. Amen? The end is certain. This is the title of my message today. The end is certain. Let's pray. Father Lord, I pray even as we come humbly before you, touch my lips even as I speak forth, let it go forth in clarity. And Lord, let your word of God that's go forth, Lord, minister to every heart that we will draw nearer to you and come, Lord, oh God, with this love for you. And, and Lord, and be prepared for the coming day because we believe you are coming back. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Now, the, uh, the end is certain. 
what will happen in the end? Chapter 14 tells us three things will happen. Number one, he says perils on Israel will happen. Secondly, phenomena on the enemies on Israel, of Israel. And thirdly, peace on earth. These three things will happen. So with Jerusalem and Israel on the centerpiece of all action, first of all, before Jesus returned, there will be perils on Israel. I want to read Revelation, I'm uh, sorry, uh, Zechariah chapter 14, verse 1 to 3. And uh, we will read verse 1 to 3 on, yeah, on the screen that we have here. Let's read together. Let's read the word of God together from verse 1 to 3. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, and your spoil will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. The city shall be taken, the houses rifled, and the women ravished. Half of the city shall go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And in that day, his... Uh, verse 3, yeah, sorry. Yeah, up to verse 3. So this verse starts with the word, Behold. What does behold mean? Behold means what? Listen, pay attention, take heed, because something is coming. He says before the Lord comes, something is going to happen. These perils will happen. God, he says God will cause all nations to war against Jerusalem. The city of Jerusalem will be surrounded, will be sieged and devastated. Women will be raped, and no one came to the help. Not even their strongest ally on that day will come to help. Just imagine how dreadful it will be on that day. And here God is saying, a time is coming. A time is coming where there will be a time of great distress, which Prophet Jeremiah did mention, that he calls it Jacob's troubles. So the peril is going to be tough. It will be greater than what Israel can handle. And there is nothing that the world has ever experienced that kind of distress before. You may ask this question, why does God cause perils on Israel? Yes, we know that the end, you know, the end point is Israel must repent. But why is such a heavy judgment from the Lord on Israel. Now, judgment must take place on the unrepentant. In Israel today, you know, we think that they are religious. We think that they are waiting for the coming of the Messiah. That is not so because they are very secular. You go to Israel, they have the gay movement, they have everything, and the young people do not want anything to do with religion. The only thing they do could be in the participation of the, some legendary tradition of the festival, like the Purim, you know, like the festival of Tabernacle or you know, some of the uh, uh, festivals of Passover or the festivals of, uh, of Pentecost, that they may attend some of this tradition uh, festival. Now, God will expose them in judgment on that day. Yet, God is a patient God. 
you know, know this, that God is patient to Israel, to the world. That is why God is so gracious and long-suffering. For God wants all to repent. That is why the day of tribulation is yet to come. God is waiting, waiting for us to come back. Just like in the days of Noah, it took 120 years for Noah to build the ark. Just imagine, 120 years. Why did it take so long? It means that God is patient with the generation in Noah's time. God waited 120 years for their repentance, but no one repented. The only one saved we knew was Noah's and his family. The eight in the boat. Yeah, that, you know, the chuan, yeah, pa you know. This is the boat that have eight lives that were only saved. In the same way, God is gracious to wait for Israel to repent of the sins and come back to God. Don't wait until troubles come, then only, you know, we want to repent. Why not repent now? You see, although God is patient, but there is a limit for all His patience. At the end of the day, God's desire to see the wicked will turn their wicked ways and turn back to God. Yes, perils will come hard on Israel, but when Israel is desperate and when Israel cried out to God, He says, suddenly the Lord will come and fight against the enemies. You know, in verse 3 that we just read just now, it says, then the Lord will act. You know, this word then is such a good news. It's such a positive, positive word. When Israel cried out to God, then God will act. God responded. What a good news to that. And the Lord will come to rescue and fight against those nations on the day of battle. Now, this was going to be the greatest battle of mankind that ever had. And this battle is called Armageddon. And those of us who have gone through the Revelation series, we know that in Revelation 16, verse 16, it says that they were gathered at a place, and in Hebrew, it is called Armageddon, where there will be a fierce fighting. Two-thirds of the population of the world will be killed and left with one-third. That will be the distress on earth at that time. But in Zechariah chapter 12, verse 8, yet again, God confirmed and affirmed that He will defend Jerusalem against the enemies. He says on that day, He will defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. God heard their cry and will stand for Israel to save the nation. God is faithful. Amen? You believe God is faithful? God is always gracious and God is always loving to His promise. And again and again, He will always respond to us when we call on Him. Now, you may be going through some very difficult time and even in the state of despair. I believe you are sincere in your faith. I believe you are a good Christian. And you have been praying, but that somehow that nothing seems to change. Now, today you heard this word of God. And it says, when Israel was desperate and cried out to God, the Lord responded. You may be asking, what about me? What about me? Now, many of us here, you know, we want a quick fix to our situation. And when nothing happens, we complain. The question is, 
Are you serious? Are you desperate enough to cry out to God for help? If you are, then stop complaining and start connecting with God. It is to stop your fear and start exercising your faith in God by putting aside all distraction to focus on Him and come humbly to seek Him. Are we able to do that? To put aside some, all everything and say we want to come to God to seek Him and cry to the Lord. And you may be asking, how do I do that? How do I connect with God? I would like to give you this suggestion. Take three days leave or more to shut in with God alone. You know, Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, I want to affirm you with this promise of God. It says, when you pray, you know, go into the closet, shut the door, and then when you pray to the Father in secret, the Father who sees you praying in secret alone, He will reward you in the open. This is the promise of God. So make sure that no one can disturb you. And uh, turn off all your digital gadgets. You know, we can be praying and hallelujah, worship the Lord, and then we have all the gadgets in our, in our, on our hand, you know. So let all this distraction be removed from your sign. Just no, no handphone, no iPad, no computer, no nothing that you can engage with all the cares of anything. But then what do you do? What do you do? Spend time to just worship the Lord. Spend time and give thanks to the Lord and pray with thanksgiving to the Lord and read the Psalms. So, Psalms have so many you know, verses of thanksgiving to the Lord. Read out the Word of God loud that you can hear. Hear the Word of God as you speak out, as you, you know, as you read. Read it loud that you can hear the Word of God. And then when you are tired, sleep. When you are hungry, eat. Yeah? And when you wake up, do it again for three days or more. You know, push. You know, the word push is pray until something happens. If it takes four days, five days, do it until, you know, something happens. But I want to, to encourage you that in three days, just three days, you will feel the difference. You will, you know, the presence of God that you had never encountered before will come. I, you know, I, as I'm talking our experience. I'm not giving you a suggestion that I've never done before. And I say that you will hear God. You will, you know, have the assurance of God. And when you put your faith in supplication, seeking God desperately, and after these three days, you will become, you will have peace. Now, this is a big word. Calm is a big word. Peace is a big word. Saying is easy. But some of you are going through. You can't sleep. So many things that you can't keep yourself calm. And you're still keeping on doing the same thing again and, and just hoping for a different result. But why? Why don't you come to the Lord as, a, as God showed us? As you come to Him and cry out to Him desperately, something will happen. Something, she says, suddenly will come and God will come to your need. He says, you will have clarity of mind. You will have clarity of purpose. And you will know what to do. You will have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. And you will find, you know, this 
this wonderful word rest in your mind and rest in your heart. This is what we want, isn't it? That you will find refreshed. You will find there's a refreshing moment by the Lord that comes upon you. Just like when Israel called out to God desperately, God remember, God intervened to rescue Israel with His mighty power. God is willing to do the same to you when you call upon Him desperately and putting the sign and says, Lord, I'm serious, Lord. I want to come before you. God, I'm serious. I'm going to put aside everything. I just want you and focus myself on you. And when you want to do that, I tell you, something is going to happen. You are going to have a new perspective, new encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how many of you want to, you know, to say, yes, I want to respond you know, to God in that way and say, Lord, I want to connect with you. Lord, I want to come and shut in myself to you, Lord. You know, you put your hands up, you, are, you really mean it, you really mean it, you know, you are coming to the end of the year. So before 2021 ends, take three days. You know, you still got leave, take three days off. Even if you don't have leave, take unpaid leave. It is worth it. I tell you, it is worth it. So come to the Lord. I want to pray for those who have raised hand. You know, just raise your hand. Those who are even on the, you know, online, just raise your hand. And I want to pray for you. You know, just raise your hand. You know, I know that I can't see you, but you just raise your hand to the Lord. And I pray for you. Lord, you see these hands that's raised up to you. Oh, Lord, it is an important business, a God, a transaction that they want a lot to, a lot to affirm and to say yes a lot to you. So Lord, I pray even as they take time and say, Lord, I want to discipline myself. And, and Lord, the first time, maybe it will be the first time, but God is going to be the best time that, I, that Lord they're going to have. So I pray that in Jesus' name, God seal a lot that that um, this agreement, the Lord, that they put up their hands and say, Lord, I want it. Seal it, give them the courage and give them the time and make ways, the Lord, for them to realize it. That you will come, O Lord, to O Lord, the end of it, you will come and they will have a fresh encounter with, with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. When Israel cried, when you cried out to God, God will certainly come to your rescue with supernatural phenomenon. This is the, the next point that it says, the phenomenal on the enemies of Israel. I'm going to read from verse 4 and verse 5 that, that you can look on the screen too and let us read together. Verse 4 and verse 5. And in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, hallelujah, which faces Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move towards the north, and half of it towards the south. Then you shall flee through my mountain valley, for the mountain's valley shall reach to Azal. Yes, you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Thus the Lord my God will come and all the saints with you. Praise the Lord. He says, Jesus will return and Jesus will stand on the Mount of Olives. 
Wow, I tell you, when he comes back, it's not going to be this time a soft, a secretive, come, uh, not very secretive uh, coming. It is going to be loud. It's going to be public. And when he comes, the power of his stance on that mountain is going to cause great earthquake, as we read just now. Great earthquake, that this earthquake is going to impact the whole geographical landscape striking from the northeast east, is northeast up to Syria and right down to the south in Africa. Just imagine the fault lines of earthquake. It is not only a certain place, it is going to go across many countries and that was the impact of its, com- its coming. And the secondly, the mountains will move to the east and to the west and create a large valley. Wow, it is phenomenal, isn't it? Eh? Wow, that is something great. Such was the impact that will change all the geographical landscape of the land. When Jesus, then what will happen? Jesus will enter into Jerusalem and he will take his position to rule over the land. This is the day that we are waiting for. This is the day that we will see Jesus coming physically and to defeat the enemies of Israel. And the second phenomenon that we see that against the, the enemies of Israel is God will send plagues and panic on the enemies. Reading from verse 12 to 14, it says, And this shall be the plague in which the Lord will strike all the people who fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall dissolve while they stand on their feet. Their eyes shall dissolve in their sockets and their tongue shall dissolve in their mouth. It shall come to pass in that day that a great panic from the Lord will be among them. Everyone will seize the hand of his neighbor and raise his hand against his neighbor's hand. And Judah also will fight at Jerusalem and the wealth of all the surrounding nations shall be gathered together, gold, silver, apparel, and in great abundance. Hallelujah. God is working. Yeah, we see here God is working against his enemies. God will intervene and never let his people to be destroyed. It is, this is a very comforting word that when Israel is in trouble, yes, they have to go through this distress, but when they are in trouble, God always protects his people and he will never allow the enemies to overrun them. God will send this panic and you know, on the enemies of, on, uh, of Israel, on that day, he says, the flesh will just dissolve while standing. The eyes will just dissolve from the socket. And the, and the tongue will just dissolve in the mouth. I believe this is nuclear war. Yeah? You know, there will be such panic among the nations and they will fight against one another with nuclear weapons. That's where all the nuclear is built up today. There's so many nuclear weapons in this world today. And they're just waiting for the push button. And that day will come, it says here. And God will send a plague on the enemies. This time it's on both men and animals. And we do not know what kind of plagues it is. But it will be greater destruction than the COVID-19 that we have. You know, it says that in verse 15, that such also shall be the plague on the horse and the mule, the camel and the donkey, and all the cattle that will be in, in those camps, shall this plague be. So this is what is going to happen when, uh, against the enemies. And uh, God is going to bring forth, just give me the minute. 
Yeah, Jesus will return and overpower and overthrow his enemies with his supernatural, phenomenal power. Now, he will bring a decisive victory, a very decisive one because he has marched into Jerusalem, as we saw that, with the saints and take control and victory over on the enemies and nothing can stand his ways. You see, the end is certain, my friends. God, in the end, will be victorious. And what will we be like that we have just saw? There will be perils on Israel. There will be phenomena on the enemies of Israel. What happened next? There will be peace on earth. Hallelujah. There will be peace on earth. Amen. So when, you know, I'm going to give you these uh, six points next, you know. When, what happened? How do we have peace? When Jesus is the king. When Jesus is the light. When Jesus is the living water. And when all people will come to worship the king. And all nations will be holy to the Lord. And then you see the kingdom of God in the end will be established. In verse 9, it says, The Lord will be king over the whole earth. And that day, there will be one Lord and His name the only one. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. There is a perfect government coming. You know, I'm, I'm not talking about the earthly government that, uh, you know, about the, the, the political democracy that we have or the capitalist uh, uh, government that we have. I know that the government of this world today is all messed up and it falls short of our expectation, right? And, you know, God is unveiling to us the coming of His government. It will be a perfect government. It will be a wonderful government and it will be a peaceful government to all the earth. And in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it gives us a glimpse on how the government will be like. He says, a son is given. Yeah, a son is given. And uh, <clears throat> is it there? Yeah. And a son is given. Let's read together. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is God's profiling of the government that, government that He is going to be established when He ruled this. Isn't it wonderful to see that Jesus will take the sovereign king, be the sovereign king to rule the world visibly and physically. That will be the end of Satan's dominion on earth and, you know, the, what they call the beginning of Jesus' rule on earth. And all the people on the earth will recognize Jesus and everyone will worship His name, the only name. There's no confusion whether which way goes, you know, should they worship. There's only one name. Everyone recognize that is the name of Jesus that they will bow, that they will worship. You know, in Israel today, they have this Shema prayer. And it's regarded as the most, you know, uh, important prayer by the Jews. The prayer is taken from uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4 and it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. This is because it reminds them of the key principle of their faith that there is only one God. There is only one God. There is no other God. You know, there is only one. So they will say the Shema prayer every morning, every day. And this is like, you know, 
uh, saying hello to you and or in, in, in Chinese, we, we greet one another, they say, you know? And for them is, have you said the Shema prayer? Yeah? Have you said the Shema prayer? You know, to us, upper Kabbal, you know, how, about, how are you? Have you said your Shema prayer? It is a reminder to them that there is only one God, and this will happen. This day will happen. That the day that every day they say it, they chant it, and this day will happen when Jesus come and rule this earth. How will there be peace on earth when Jesus is alive? In verse 6 to 7, in chapter 14, verse 6 to 7, it says, It shall come to pass in that day, there will be no light. The light will diminish. It shall be one day which is known to the Lord, neither day nor night. But at the evening time, it shall happen that it will be light. That is only one day, it says, and we don't need the sunlight because we have the sun, S-O-N, the Son of God to give us the light and the glory that shines forth from God is bright enough yeah, to light the whole earth. Just imagine, we cannot, we cannot imagine that, that it will be a wonderful light. It, cannot, it won't be too hot. We don't need the suntan solution, uh, the lotion anymore. Yeah? Everyone can just enjoy the wonderful light everywhere you are. So how will there be peace on earth when Jesus is the living water in verse 8? In verse 30 it says, And in that day it shall be that living waters shall flow from Jerusalem, half of them towards the eastern sea, half of them towards the western sea. In both summer and winter, it shall occur. Living water. Just imagine where have you find living water. It says will provide what the land needs. You know, water is a, one of the uh, important commodities in this world today because there's, there are lack of water. Many countries are having this problem, yeah, because of the environment issues and so forth. But it says that on that day, you will have the best water, better than any mineral water, spring water that you can find. Because Jesus says, you know, I will, you will drink from this living water and never thirst again. Remember the Samaritan woman at the well, and Jesus offered her living water. Remember that? And her life was transformed when she drank from the Lord and never the same again because she went around telling people about who Jesus is. He is the living water, she says. And how will peace reign on earth? When all nations will worship the King. We are going to read verse 16 to 19. He says, all nations at that, at that day, you know, no nations that can be exempted. Every nation will come to worship the king. In verse 16, it says, And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem will go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of tabernacle. And it shall be that whichever of the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, on them there will be no rain. If the family of Egypt will not come up and enter in, there shall be no rain. They shall receive the plague with which the Lord strikes the nation who do not come up and keep the feast of tabernacle. This shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all nations that do not come up to keep the feast of tabernacle. Now, what is this feast of tabernacle that is so important that it is going to continue on and on even in the coming kingdom? You know, the Feast of uh, Tabernacle, also known as Sukkot, is celebrated at the seventh month and for seven days. 
in Israel today. Every year they will do that. You know, Feast of Tabernacle reminds them in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 42 to 3, it reminds them then of what? Of God's, you know, God's presence, God's, you know, faithfulness in leading them out of Egypt in the wilderness for 40 years. And they were pitching up the tent, right? And it was God's, they remember God's presence with them. You know, that Moses would say that in uh, Exodus 30, 33, verse 15, he says what? Lord, if your presence don't go with me, I'm not going to go. We are not going to move. The presence of God is so important to keep them on for 40 years in the wilderness. And to remember also that it was God's protection on them, right? You know, desert. Some of us who have experienced some desert, uh, you know, uh, been to some desert. It's so hot, right? So, so hot that you want to dash in. That's why they cover themselves so much. And, you know, at, the, at that time where the Israelites were in the desert, what happened? There were clouds, you know, clouds that covered them from the sun. And it's so nice weather for them. And in the night, it's so cold. You know, there is a change of a, uh, a weather very fast in the desert, you know. From evening, suddenly it changed to be, uh, to be very cold. So, you just imagine they have the pillar of fire for God to protect, to shield them from the cold. And also the provision of God, they remember the heavenly food, the manna and the quail that God gave them to their daily needs. So, this Feast of Tabernacle will continuously be celebrated in the coming kingdom of God. Now, this verse says that everyone is expected to celebrate this feast and gather together to worship the Lord. No one must be exempted and everyone must come to worship. See, worship is the key theme in heaven because in Revelation chapter 5, it says, the 24 elders and all the living creatures shall bow before the Lord. And they will sing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. And, you know, and uh, He's worthy to receive power. He's worthy to receive all wisdom and all strength and honour and glory and blessing. Wow! There will be a resounding sound of worship to the Lord in heaven. That is why it says, all are expected to come together to worship. No worship, no rain. No rain means no blessings. Yeah? So I want, so it's important, worship, and that's why I wear this, you see? Worship is a lifestyle. Yeah? In Psalm 34, you can find that. Yeah? Just the point, point here. I want to share with you regarding worship about this revelation I received from the Lord. You know, I, I just want to, you know, maybe dramatize a bit yeah, to show you what happened, this revelation I received from the Lord. You know, I was, I was worshiping, kneeling down and worshiping the Lord. And as I worship the Lord, suddenly at the back, I can sense, you know, coldness and fear coming towards me. So I look back. And as I look back, I saw dark clouds that's coming my way. And a, a great storm is coming. And of course, there was fear and, and anxiety that happened to me. And what happened was the next is more fearful. I saw a dragon that came and, you know, on, my, on my right, and he was fury coming. And, but when he reached near me, he cannot touch me because there was like a, a shield around me. And he can only be ferocious and angry with me. 
But all I did, you know, I was praying and waiting. I said, God, what should I do next? And just then, the Lord was just on my life. And the Lord says, the Lord says, continue to worship me. And I continued to just worship the Lord. And then I could see that, you know, there were heavily, in the heavenly, there were like a warfare that's going on. You know, the battle continued to worship me because the battle belongs to me. All you do is just worship. Your weapon is to worship. Your power is to worship. And as I do that, I just continue to do that. And there was, I just feel so, so secure. And I feel so safe in the Lord's presence. And what happened is next, I saw in front of me, a verse just came from the sky. John chapter 14, verse 15. And I don't know what is the verse about. So I quickly went and turned to the Bible. And John chapter 14, verse 15 says, If you love me, Obey my commandments. If you love me, follow my law. If you love me, be obedient to my word. Wow. This is what God is, you know, that is so much strength and so much power that, that as we worship the Lord and revelation of words will come. And you just, as I receive the word, I just say, Lord, help me, teach me and guide me to obey you. That I can, you know, the more I love you, the more I will obey you. Yeah? So worship is powerful. Worship keeps us aligned with God. And His word will keep us strong from the enemy, just I showed you. All I did, the enemy you know, what you're facing may be real, may be very ferocious that's coming your way. But when you start worshipping the Lord, there is a hedge of protection that's around you. There is a firewall that's around you that no enemy can come, no matter how fierce they are, no matter how, how bad the situation they're going through. The, when you worship, you will find you are secured, you are safe in the Lord. That is the power of worship. So when you come to church, you know, when you come to church either physically or online, you know, don't miss the worship part or just, you know, just waiting for the, the message to come. Worship prepares you to receive the Word of God. Worship, will, you know, means to honor God as we come into His presence. So when you lift up your voice, when you lift up your hands to worship the Lord, we are exalting the Lord and the Holy Spirit will come and prepare you and, you know, to rest in His presence and that you may receive the Word of God. You know, this Word of God is going forth today. There are so many of you here. Every one of you will receive that revelation in a different way, yeah? God will speak you in certain part of the, of the message, but this is when you come to honor God in your worship, a posture, even you sit down, even when you stand up, when you respond, these are postures of worship. God will reward you and God will speak to you with the word. You know, I'm reminded of this song that I used to sing. You know, it's, uh, it's written in uh, Isaiah or in Micah chapter 4 verse 2, and it says, yeah, come and let us go up the mountain of the Lord and to the house of our God, and He shall teach us of His ways, and we shall walk in His path. For the Lord shall go forth in Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. You know the song. You want to sing with me? 
Come, let's try. Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of our God. Come, join me. Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the Lord. And He shall teach us of His ways and we shall walk in His path. For the Lord shall go forth in Zion and the word of the Lord in Jerusalem. Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't it great when we come to worship the Lord? You will be blessed. You know, God is also blessed by your worship. God delights in the worship of His people and, the, and your worship will glorify Him. Amen. Hallelujah. So how do you have peace on earth when... All people will be holy to the Lord. In verse 20 to 21, it reads that in that day, holiness to the Lord shall be engraved on the bells of the houses. The pots in the Lord's house shall be like the bowls before the altar. Yes, every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holiness to the Lord of hosts. Everyone who sacrifices shall come and take them and cook on, in them. And in that day, there shall no longer be a Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts. Wow. You know, on that day, they say that the ultimate mission of the Lord is to see holiness back into the world. Through repentance and purification, then we see that the whole world can be restored with His holiness. So Jesus' kingship is holiness. And, then, and he says that even on that day, even the insignificant things, like the bells on the horses, he says that it will engrave holiness to the Lord. You know, your pot, your, you know, those pot that you cook, that you wash, you know, it's also written holiness to the Lord. Everything will be holy to the Lord. You know, that's the word holy to the Lord. If you... In, in, in the olden days, if you put it on somewhere else, it will be a blasphemy, isn't it? It will be something that the Jews says, hey, you can't do that because it's, it's put on the forehead of the priest and the priest will represent the nation and will go into the temple of the Lord, holy, holy to the Lord, yeah? holiness to the Lord. And you can also represent the whole nation into the holy of holies to repent of the sins of the people. So just imagine, but on that day, everything, everything is holy to the Lord. So holiness will be everywhere. The earth will be free from sins and all the corruptions of sins. And holiness will stand strong, especially in the three main pillars of our lives. What are the three main pillars? It will be holiness in our workplace. Yeah, there will be no more secular and sacred divine that everything that we do, it is part of worship to the Lord. It is holiness to the Lord. And in our home, yeah, in our home and in the church, God will bring His holiness in these three key areas of our lives that we may live a holy life. Now, when the word holy life, you know, we will be thinking, wow, can we do that? It is such a, a sacred word. To be holy. Now the word holy means what? To set apart. To set apart. When Moses came into the presence of God at the burning bush, yeah, the Lord says, take off your shoe because this is holy ground. It's just setting apart something that is not right 
to, to, become, to come into the presence of God. Well, was Moses, it was on earth, it was not in heaven where the Lord says, you know, come into my ground because this is going to be holy ground. And Moses did, right? He went, he took up his sandal and stood before the burning bush in the presence of God and it was holy. So in the same way, we can be holy and setting apart to live a life that pleasing to the Lord. Yeah, and that we don't have to wait on that day, then only we say, we will be holy, we will do the right thing that pleases the Lord. It can start from day now that we can set apart our lives to be holy to the Lord. How do we have peace on earth? Lastly, it says that the kingdom of God will be established. And in verse 21b, it says, in that day, there shall be no longer a Canaanite in the house of the Lord. Just imagine, no more Canaanite, what does that mean? No more, no, no more non-believers. Everyone, every people in the world will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Everyone will be believers. So that is, the, that is what Jesus' purpose when He came to this world. That God's heart is to see that everyone will be saved and none will perish and come into this kingdom. He did not come into this world for Himself, but He came for you and the lost. So the heart of His mission and the purpose of Jesus' coming is to establish the kingdom of God. So now what must we do when we know that? Let's share the gospel. Sharing the gospel of the kingdom of God should be the number one focus of our life. Why? Because in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. So how can they believe if we don't go and share with them? Secondly, in Matthew 24, verse 14, it says, this gospel must be preached, then the end will come. So preaching the gospel will hasten the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I want to share with you just to encourage you that you know, what God is doing to, uh, in, in this world today or in our, in our, our midst today, uh, just that about the power of God's salvation. In October, in our life community center, we have what? We have five salvation and one who backslider came back to the Lord. So we have six that, uh, you know, that came to the Lord. Yeah? In the... <clears throat> You know, in this month, November, we have a family of six who, who gives their life to Jesus and repented of their past beliefs. And on that same day, after receiving the Lord Jesus Christ, we remove all the idols from the home and the office. Yeah? In this month, in Myanmar, you know, in the midst of this COVID and COVID situation, one of the pastors that we are supporting held three days of evangelistic meeting. And what happened? More than 40 people accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. God is a world and salvation is important to God. And in this month, you know, a teacher, a missionary, a, missionary, a trainer of God's word, he says that he has a phenomenal experience by baptizing more than 2,000 people in one day. He described that this is the most awesome moment in his ministry for the past 20 years. He had never seen before such, you know, such grace of God that, that the power of God is at hand that 2,000 over people came to know the Lord. You know, just imagine that. Let's give God praise for all this salvation. God is at work. His kingdom is in hand. Hallelujah. You know, I, I just want to 
to just say this. You know, if you are hearing about this kingdom of God, of course, it is important that I want everyone, God wants it, not only me, yeah? God wants everyone to be saved when we hear the word of God. So quickly, if there's anyone, we are here and never, you know, given your life and says, I want to believe in Jesus, accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I want you to just quickly raise your hand so that I can, you know, pray for, pray for you and bless you. Or you have, you know, just at this, uh, in, in LCC, one of them have been lost and, and, you know, went back to the world and says, now I want to come back to God. And if, if that is you, just raise your hand and I want to pray for you because today is a day of salvation. Today you are here. It is not by accident. This is the moment. This is the message for you because God's kingdom wants to be established in your life today. And you're watching online the same way. You never, you know, give your life to Jesus and says, I want to believe in Him. I want you to do that. You know, the, the same thing too. You know, is there anyone? Just quickly, just raise your hand that I can pray for you. Yeah, I see one hand right there. Oh, bless you. One sister. Yeah, one hand. Praise the Lord. Is there anyone else? Anyone at the, at the balcony? Anyone at the balcony that want to pray for you? Just, uh, yeah. Yeah, just raise your hand so that I can get one of our pastors, our leaders to come and give you uh, a gift and, and uh, to congratulate you. Just say this prayer with me. Won't you just say this prayer together with me? Lord Jesus. Yes, say this prayer with me and everyone let's say it together to encourage our sister and also encourage those who are on the online who have raised their hands to the Lord Lord Jesus I believe that you came and died on the cross for me on the third day you arose you are living God Lord Jesus forgive my sins and I confess you right now Take away every sins in my life. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And you are my master today. Thank you, Jesus, for accepting me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's give God praise. Because the whole heavens rejoice with you, my sister. It says when one comes into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. You know, the end is certainly near, my brothers and sisters. So all of us must go forth to share this good news to, to the, of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a chance. Just bring one person in the, if let's say, just one person in this Christmas uh, celebration that we're going to have. Either here physically or in a home party that we are, that we are going to, uh, to prepare for you. Just bring one person, each of you bring one and says, Lord, before I end this year, I want to establish your kingdom of God at least in one soul, one heart, one person. It could be your relatives, it could be your friends. And make every opportunity count for the salvation of soul. So the, the end is certain. What happens in the end? There will be perils on Israel. There will be phenomena on the enemies of Israel and there will be peace on earth. And how do we have peace on earth? When Jesus is the King, when Jesus is the light, when Jesus is the living water, when all people come to worship the King, all nations will be holy to the Lord and in the end, the Lord's kingdom will be established. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Let's give God praise. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Church, the end is certain, you know, because our redemption is sure and Jesus will come to reign. The end is certain. God has determined it and Jesus will be the King. No matter how we feel, the truth remains that God has spoken and nothing can stop it and nothing can change it. So for the, the glorious end is certain for us. We must trust God and tell others of His saving grace. Amen. Let's close with this song. You know, I want to celebrate with this wonderful news that this song that talks about, you know, Jesus is coming as a lion of Judah. Jesus is coming, you know, like the lamb. He's, and the kings and all the kingdoms shall bow before Him and He will break every chain. He will break every bondage. Hallelujah. Do you believe that? That He's Lord God Almighty? Amen. Let's raise our hand to the Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you, God. You are such a faithful and good God and affirming God. We thank you, God, for your word. That, God, we are looking forward to God with greatest expectation, the Lord. That, Lord, your coming is going to be glorious, God. Even, the Lord, before your coming, God, we are going forward, God. Oh, Lord, to share the word of God. We are going forward, God, to partner with you. Oh, Lord, to build your kingdom. So, in the name of Jesus, God, that you, Lord, will prepare us even as we heard of your message. Let us, Lord, receive it, God. Let us, Lord, apply for those of God who, Lord, will seek your face again. Lord, you will come and, Lord, and grant them the victory, Lord, in each life of God. And I pray that in Jesus' name, even, Lord, as we dismiss from here, may the love of the Father, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and may the wonderful fellowship of the Holy Spirit continue to minister to you and be with you. And everyone says, Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. The service is now is over. Bless you. And we'll see you again next week.